On today's episode of Founder Journey, we take a look at the journey of Alex Benjamin, a multi-exited entrepreneur that has built not only a fintech business, but also a private equity firm. And more recently, in his role as CEO of YouMoomi, Alex has been helping his franchisees on their own entrepreneurial journeys. Three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Founder Journeys. Uh, today we've got a great Australian entrepreneur that's a new Canadian as well. Uh, one of the first actual applicants through the Startup Visa program. Many of you know that uh, Follow Launch as we are a Startup Visa provider and we work with international entrepreneurs around the world. Alex originally hails from Australia. He is a um, uh, multi-exited entrepreneur. He's built uh, multiple companies, which we'll dive into today. Uh, and, and I think the last one was acquired, what, 12, 15 months ago. And uh, since then, he's jumped to the other side of the table and built a, a, an equity fund or a private equity firm, uh, making some acquisitions, making investments. And he has recently taken on the role of CEO of, of a large franchise. Uh, Alex, welcome to Founder Journeys. And... Um, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and, and this new uh, franchise that you're now the CEO of. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Ray, for having me on and uh, great to meet everyone. Um, for just some quick background on me, I, I'm Australian. I grew up in Melbourne um, and started my career actually in investment banking, um, working on the telephones in a call center uh, just as I'd come out of university when I was 21. And uh, I didn't want to, you know, I really wanted to get to work early in my career and and try to um, my father had worked in a bank and um, I felt you know, that could be an interesting career for me. I, I really liked the stock market and uh, I managed to talk my way into meeting a lot of the stockbrokers and traders at the bank that I was working at. And, uh, you know, within 18 months, I was on the trading floor. And I got a really great insight into to what it was to, to how people ran businesses. We had a lot of companies that would come and talk to us, um, come talk to all the stockbrokers about their businesses, trying to raise money. Um, and it certainly was an excellent taste for me uh, in 2005. Um, you know, it was really at a really interesting time in the stock market. Um, and obviously it crashed uh, a couple of years after that. And I learned a ton. And, and all this is to say, it really learned me, it took me to, to this to a point um, as I turned 30 that I really wanted to reevaluate my career. And um, I was not somebody who wanted to do more study I really wanted to do. And so I got into the, I got into the world of entrepreneurship and, and building uh, two startups. Um, and that's really what I've spent the last eight to nine years doing of my, of my life is um, committing myself to, uh, to create interesting products that solve interesting problems. Um, and yeah, I, I think I'll talk a little bit about that today, but um, I've spent a lot of time trying to get clear of what I value and, and what matters to me. And that's sort of driven me on my, my pursuit of what I do now. So, uh, yeah. Sweet. So before you jump into the previous startups, tell us about the current startup that you're in and, and the industry. Yeah. So look, I, um, I had an interesting proposition sort of land in my lap uh, in the last few months where um, there's, a, there's a group called You Move Me in North America who um, they're, they're a large moving company. That they have a franchise model and they're across just over 20 cities across the US and Canada. And um, we move people, we, we, we don't only move people, we move them and their houses and their families and their lives. And, um, you know, they have a very interesting uh, position in the market where they, they sell a premium move to, to people that um, like premium experiences. And so, uh, you know, we, we do thousands of moves across North America a, a month. And given the, 
the world and the state that it's in. A lot of people are moving right now and it was certainly very interesting to me. Um, the company is partly backed by um, two well-known entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Lance Tracy and Laurie Baggio. And uh, I saw it as a big learning opportunity for me to work with two, two very experienced investors. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a business that needs, needs a good, you know, a good leader and, and um, uh, they asked me to run it. And, you know, there's not too many opportunities to get like that to work with those guys. So I, I you know, we, um, I, I'm certainly learning a lot. Look, it's only been two and a half months, but uh, it's great to see the numbers start to perform. And I'm, I, I think the thing that I love um, and what I, I, I know about myself is that once you're an entrepreneur, you 85 to 90% of every business is the same and, and the, the differentials are the people and the product. And um, once you've got the skills to understand the customer purchasing decision, why people buy your product, how you can be different in a market, you suddenly realize, you know, you can go from bioplastic to fine, you know, financial technology to, um, to blockchain, to, to weed, to whatever it happens to be. Um, and you can start to, you know, you, you realize you can play a hand in every business that you see. Yeah, I think a lot of our audience's members' ears just perked up when you said weed. But uh, <laughs> I personally have a lot of experience in the franchise industry. I've owned Dairy Queen franchises for 10 plus years. And so just to clarify, so you're CEO of not a franchisee. You're the CEO of the franchisor. You're the parent company that's now working with independent franchisees around across Canada or across North America. Across North America, all of North America. So it's a, it's a really it's an it's an amazing model, and it's it's really you. you and for those that don't understand that model, it's really you are a service business that provides services to people who buy a franchise from you. So they are, they are the ones out there in the field doing the moving. We don't do it. We just support them with sales and marketing, um, their financial guidance, operations guidance, a call center, um, strategy support, and basically a brand, um, which when customers come to search for a move, if, if you're part of a large, you know, well-known franchise, um, the, uh, the numbers really show in terms of what it costs you from uh, a search, you know, online search perspective, a, a brand search is much more, um, cost effective than, than just being, uh, any old moving company. So, um, and, and so for this founder journey series that we're doing, you're, you're actually in a really unique position because not only are you this founder and, and, and you're now CEO of this company, but you're also working with each entrepreneur themselves, because everyone that has this franchise, um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an entrepreneur on their own, right? They are, and they, they are business owners and, and um, they own that business. And so we have, you know, uh, boundaries that we can't step over and they, they also, um, but, but we also have very clear guidelines on, they pay us a fee, a royalty every month and we, um, we support them with services that they need. And, you know, um, it really plays into one of my large values, which is like, I do like to see people have success and I like to help others. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to be, you know, a mentor and coach and advisor, but also, um, you know, be the person that uh, complaints get, ex you know, escalated to people find me on LinkedIn, you know, um, so I'm, I'm dealing with and learning a lot of sort of things, a lot of, a lot of things that are just very normal. And I think, um, again, if you can, if you can run a business, um, and you build a couple yourself. Like I, th I think, it's just fascinating what sort of companies you can get involved in as you get as you go through your career. Um, I certainly reached a point where I didn't necessarily want to build another one after I had sold the last one, and um, I've got much more into the world as as you touched on before of private equity. So trying to buy smaller businesses, invest in smaller businesses um, that 
that tick a few boxes for me that generate recurring revenue and recurring income so that um, I have more flexibility with what I do and that I don't necessarily have to be tied to a job for the rest of my life. And so, um, but I'm still very able, fit, willing to work and, and I'm looking for great, a great opportunity and hence this, this came along and, and um, thought, well, this is a good time for me. Um, yeah, and, and I personally know Lance Tracy as well, and and is not a bad person to be uh, learning from and working with as well. So that's a great opportunity. But let's let's take a side or step back. Like your journey, where, where did your journey start? What are some of the obstacles that you had to overcome? So we yeah. know where you are today, but what led you here, and what made you the person that you are? It's a great question. I I think um, the the real pivotal point for me was actually at, at at 30, uh, I'm 39 now. And so at the age of 30, I actually uh, took a year so off. So that would have been 2011, 2010, 2011? That's right. I took a year off work and went traveling for a year. Um, and I'd done pretty well professionally at work. And I, but I wasn't really, I, I really wasn't um, enjoying the work and enjoying the people I was with. Um, and that's no, you know, I was just sort of like where, where I'm at and what am I learning? And, and um, in a corporate environment, it can sometimes be, yeah, it's very hierarchical and, and uh, are you necessarily going to get what you want? And I think I realized that if I did want to get what I wanted, I did, would need to build something or try and create something myself um, and create a, an organization that represents my values. And um, I, uh, I really started thinking about how would I achieve that? And I came to a place where I realized that would be trying to build my own company and I didn't know how to do it. And so I, but I had a fantastic idea or one that I thought was fantastic. And it was a trip advisor for aged care homes in Australia. So helping families make better decisions around where to place a family member. And um, there was, you know, so right. sorry, take a step back. So the, the trip advisory company, what, what exactly did it do? Well, it was, it was, it was my idea was like trip advisor, but it was to provide reviews. So create a review engine for senior care. So aged care okay. in Australia. So, you know, that market is a, it's a growing market. There's a huge demographic that are moving towards senior care and senior living. And I felt like my grandparents, my grandmother was going through that experience of transitioning from home into a, into a senior facility. And my parents had a lot of difficulty understanding what was good and what wasn't good and where to send somebody. And I spent a lot of time building the website, building out great photographs. I spent a year, you know, trying to build review content and I unfortunately didn't do enough demand testing. And, um, so this and, is 2011. Uh, this is, this is about 20, 2012, 2013. 2012. And so fast forward today, like that's actually a, a, a very in demand industry. When you're talking right. to venture capitalists, like that's an area that a lot of them are focusing their attention on and senior care and, and uh, what the growing baby boomer population. And so, would it have been very different to launch it today as opposed to 2012? I don't know. I, I, I think that what I didn't spend enough time is understanding the why of the customer and why would they use a platform like that. And what I learned was that a lot of customers still rely on their family doctor. They rely on um, other, other people who have got a, um, a much more detailed understanding of that product more than just a customer review. And so a review of a hotel or a restaurant is very much different to one of a senior care living facility where this is a six or $700,000 investment, if not more a million dollars of investment um, to put a family member into, into a aged care home for some period of time, depending on where you live and what, what sort of budget you have. Um, 
And so customers might read a review, but they definitely, you know, the decision-making process is much more detailed than just reading a review. And so what I found was um, my product didn't work. People weren't using it. And um, I hadn't done enough work on the demand side of the equation before I built it. And that's really what changed my, I'm getting a lot into the detail here and, and you did ask me what was my why, but, but the fascination of it really at the, at the core of it for me was I didn't want to do an MBA. I did want to learn how to build a business and to run one. And I just had to do, do this and give it a go. And it did, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but it set me up really well for the second business. And then from there, you know, it's just been, I've really invested in my own learning and my own career. So before we jump into the second business, how did you make the decision to kill the first one? Um, time. I was like, I felt this, I'd spent close to a year on it and I had met Jonathan Bixby in that year. Um, and John was, John was talking to me every six to eight weeks saying, do you want to come to Canada and build a FinTech together? And, um, and I, realized that this would be a very interesting opportunity for me to take what I'd learned. And we were, we were not making progress with, with care review. Um, and at that, at that time, um, you know, I was really thinking about, you know, does this, would this make, would this make a lot of sense? You know, like John and I had talked about lending club and what was happening in the lending space. We'd met sort of, you know, 12 months before I moved to Canada and uh, we saw an opportunity that, yeah, maybe, maybe there would be something to build here in Canada. And, and so really, do you think it's, it's from an entrepreneur founder perspective, it's never easy to put your idea down and, and move on. Was having another startup to kind of walk into with other partners, uh, make that decision easier for you or. There's definitely look, a, a real question is like the battle of like cash and how much money you got and how far do you want to throw some, go at something when you, you don't know how it's not working already. And you're, you're, this is the first time you've done it. And one of the things I've talked to other entrepreneurs about is like who you surround yourself with, because I, I certainly was surrounded by a lot of people working in jobs. They weren't risk takers. They weren't entrepreneurs. They were good mates. But if you ask them for their point of view, it would really, it shaped, it, it affected me. Like I, I realized like I, yeah, you're right. I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, and I, I didn't have good mentorship at that time. And I, and had I had what I had when I came to Canada, like, I think it would have been a different, you know, it would have been a different story for sure. Um, and so obviously being part of the Launch Academy community, Stanley Park community, and just the, you know, a ton of other entrepreneurs in the, from West to East Coast in Canada. Um, I just found it a, a totally different experience coming here where people were very, very forthcoming with help and mentorship and leadership. And it really just changed. I kind of like had the skills and the energy and it just got me on the right track. And I, I really went hard for it with Learnful. Cool. So just a bit of context for our viewers and listeners. Um, Launch Academy Incubator here in, in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Stanley Park Ventures is a startup studio that was uh, started in Launch Academy and, and had worked out of Launch Academy and their entrepreneurs started their businesses within Launch Academy and we kind of shared resources and gave access to a lot of the stuff that we had at launch. So when uh, Jonathan Bixby connected with you and you guys talked about um, uh, building this new startup in, in the lending space. How did you get convinced by Jonathan to up and move to Canada and, and uh, take on this startup visa program and, and start this brand new company in an industry that, um, let's, let's 
I don't know how familiar we're with it uh, to begin with, but it sounds like it's a pretty new industry to you as a whole. Look, I had I had had a, had a, you know beginning of my career in finance, and, and essentially um, lending is you know lending money, and you need to understand the numbers and how to make it work. I think the skills that they had that I didn't have were the customer acquisition piece, or really being able to um, own in the you know um, how to build the business properly. They definitely had a great a great framework of how to do that. And I really saw it as a huge opportunity for me to go get that paid MBA, basically, that I could work with hands-on with a group of entrepreneurs that have had, you know, a number of successes. And I would be no worse off, I felt. Like if I if I came to Canada and it didn't work out, I had much more of an attitude of like, like I would jump on a plane and go back to Australia if I, if I had to. Um, but look, I... I I really grew to like John, Josh, and Mike, who were part of the Stanley Park, you know, the, part, the, the three partners. And I built a relationship with those guys over the phone and, and, um, and we spoke for many months before I came. And, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about like what, the, what would happen if it didn't work out, what would happen if it did go well. Um, and I'm just sort of the person who was like, you know what, I, I, I don't want to miss out on something like this. And so um, five and a half years later, you know, I've had an exit in Canada and uh, I live here, uh, married a Canadian and um, we, have a, we have a close to one-year-old little boy, which is awesome. So um, I've certainly gone and got it. You know, I didn't sit there and just wait for it to come to me. And I know that um, it does set me apart because I, I do back myself and I love to have a, have a go at things and um, yeah. Well, this, from a, third party listening into this it probably sounds like oh wow you've had a pretty smooth ride and and things were coming together and falling into place for you but i know that's not the case want to touch on some of the obstacles and and challenges that you had as as a founder to um get to where you are today like i know look at the start you're no one you know you, you you are no one and um you have to for me was detaching my personal reputation or my perceived personal um, image. I had to detach it from, uh, I had to detach myself from worrying about how, you know, if, if I'd failed that it would look bad. And I had to really give myself to the company and go, look, if Lenful is gonna survive, I need to get out there and talk about it. You know, I have to be able to get up in front of a room. I have to be able to come on a, on a session like this with you um, or do a podcast or get myself in the press. And I had to get out there and start talking about it before I'd even really built it. And it was a really, it was a big shift and, and it was, it was really a painful experience because I was kind of like, I like things to be perfect. I like things to be right. I like things to be, um, to look good. And that was, that was really hard for me. Like at the start, I, I couldn't do it. You know, I, I found it tricky to cold call as much as I previously did. And I really had, um, a lot of pressure on me early on from the guys to say, you know, what you've got, you've got to do this. Cause if you don't, you know, we're, we won't fund, you know, we won't invest in you. Um, you won't be able to raise capital. You could be on a plane back to Australia in three to six months. So in that first year it was, there were many, many setbacks, you know, I, I was trying to raise money and had many, many, many no's. Um, and it's sort of the setbacks that really craft you. If you, you have to be able to realize like you need a hundred data points, you need 200 data points. And you have to keep um, working out what's going to land and resonate with investors. And it was hard, you know, it was very, very stressful. Like I moved here and two bags, we rented an Airbnb in the West End in Vancouver. 
very short time frame of like, okay, I have to get proof of concept and get this into market and, and get going. And so um, having a lot of pressure on me was the perfect sort of setup for me to, to perform. But um, yeah, there've been many missteps along the way. Like it's every entrepreneur out there, you'll, you'll see their press releases and, you know, you go and see them in the background and it's like, yeah, but we're still like, we're getting pressure. Our data, our data isn't good. Our numbers aren't looking great. We haven't closed around yet. Um, and so there's just, there is a, a fine art to the optics of it all. And, you know, how well you can play, how well it, it's looking um, is usually never what it's really like in the background. Um, so I don't know if I've, if, if I come back to your question of like, what are the failures it, or, or what have the setbacks been? Well, you, you touched on one thing a little bit earlier um, where you talked about your, your, your friends and the circle of friends that you had back in Australia when you were first starting out that they, they didn't understand entrepreneurship. They were not um, diving yep. deep into these things in the weeds. Then you moved to Canada where you don't have any network and, and uh, probably a lot of our listeners and our viewers right now are entrepreneurs that are starting out for the first time. We have listeners and viewers overseas where entrepreneurship is not as, as uh, uh, celebrated or, or um, yeah, actively it, engaged. Uh, and so how do you, what were some of the challenges that you faced of getting out of your bubble and, and talking to uh, new people that were familiar with entrepreneurship and then coming to a new country and then trying to rebuild a network and, and get around people? Um, yeah. I was looking for personal growth, you know, I was looking for a, a challenge and I was looking for something that would make me feel uncomfortable. And um, the, the good thing about coming to a new community that is just like here in Vancouver, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and it's very supportive is that there are people who are going to help you out. There are people going to have a cup of coffee with you if you go out for it and ask for it. Um, it's also, you know, people already know each other. And so it can sometimes be hard to, you know, crack, crack new, new social circles. Um, but I found it really easy because I had, I had some skills. I had, you know, my business background to some extent, I'd had one startup that I'd already had to go at. I had some mentorship around me and I then all I had to do was really try, you know, I just had to try and I had to, and it was great because I didn't have a lot of distractions and I could really sit down and work hard and move quickly and meet deadlines and go for it. Um, so it's, it's very much a, a personal thing that if you are looking for something where you're like, I, I don't feel like I've got a good group of people around me who, who are completely understanding of startups. You know, Vancouver is a really, really unique e ecosystem to get amongst. Um, there's many different types of businesses here that people have, have started and are doing really well. And I find that Canadians in general are just a very much, uh, you know, a friendly group um, of people who are who are really interested, just genuinely interested in how you're doing, and will make time to meet with you, which made a big difference. Well, I think that's part of it. Is, is the entrepreneur world as well is is very uh, welcoming, especially in the tech world, to to new entrepreneurs and giving mentorship and feedback and and uh, collaborating. Yeah, uh, not so much in, in traditional industries. Like, uh, you know, we won't dive into that. But uh, um, this is actually a great segue into work-life balance and, and how are you able to transition from building these entrepreneurial businesses and then the time and energy that takes to get there to um, having a, a wife and, and kids and um, uh, growing older and, and seeing life through a different perspective. Yeah, I think my, my wife said to me once, you know, you, 
if you if you don't leave something in the tank at the end of the day, you're going to come home and crash, you know, and you don't have anything for for us. And and I just I made a decision earlier on in my life where I was like, you know what, my my family and my wife um, are just as important, you know, um, as being a CEO and a founder of a company, and they're not necessarily celebrated the same way. Um, you know, they both they're just equally as important, if not more important to have a solid family and solid um, life outside of work. And so it's just constantly a battle between like, yeah, where I give time. And and I've really tried to set some ground rules for myself where I'd, I'd start work at eight o'clock and finish at six o'clock and anything outside of that is my time. You know, uh, it's not always perfect, but I try to be present um if not get home earlier to spend time with my son before he goes to bed and then in the evenings if i need to do a bit of work if we agree you know tonight tonight i need to do some work i would do it but um it's one of those it's one of those things if you're a workaholic you know you can end up um yeah you can really love your work and all the people you work with really love you it's just when you get out of here and and the company if you have a sale or you some the transaction takes place if you've, if you've wrapped up so much of your personality and your worth in your business, when it changes, it can be really hard. You know, you can suddenly be like, well, what have I got? And um, it certainly happened to me a bit after the sale of Lenful. Um, it was a really, you know, we had a really, really awesome investor based, great board, great team. And the business, you know, we sold the company and sure, it, it was a liquidity event and, um, and there was a lot of ego around that event. Um, but then the dynamics of it completely changed. You know, the, the swimming upstream every day that I hated and loved, I really missed. Um, you know, it suddenly became, you know, we went to being a well-capitalized a well company that, um, that had a lot of resources that was now part of a bank. And that just changed. And so for me, I decided that, you know, I didn't want to stay there. I ended up leaving, you know, after a year. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's there that realization that uh, having to leave to still that 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 actually is part of work life balance. Yeah. Like, why did you make that decision? It's because there, there must have been some realization. Yeah, the 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 drivers of the, the people that you attract to an early stage business or a you know a scrappy sort of startup that's you know, breaking even or not quite there or, you know, um, is running lean is very different to one that's like got plenty and, you know, the urgency in the sense of like duty to the customer can sometimes just be a bit different. And um, I I really love like getting close to cu the customer and trying to understand what's really going on for them. And um, sometimes when you're big and profitable and you've got a big market, it's hard to, you know, it can sometimes be harder for larger organizations to still do that in the same way that small businesses can do. And so again, like um, making a meaningful difference for people really matters to me. And so I realized like, I want to be back leading a business that's close to, you know, close to people trying to solve a painful problem. Um, yeah. So um, I think it will always be a life struggle and, and you know, trying to get work-life balance, but ultimately you have to set out to achieve something and you should actually talk to it about with your partner and you should actually agree with like, well, what are, when do we take a date? When do we get a babysitter? When do we make time for us? When do we get time for exercise? And, um, you know, I just, we, you have to be planned. You have to have a good routine and we, we just make an effort to really try to plan our weeks out well, organize all our food, get groceries delivered if we can. Um, 
so that it saves us time and that we've got more time to spend together. Yeah, I think like 10 years ago, work-life balance was just a concept that people are starting to talk about and a lot of people are just waving it off as, as just some, some new age concepts that, that are relevant in the workforce. But now today, there's a conscious acknowledgement that work-life balance is something that uh, needs to be discussed and needs to be analyzed. And it's not just uh, uh, for... Yeah, more experienced entrepreneurs or companies are further along, even at the early stage, you have to, like, you definitely have to get shit done and put your head down and work, but uh, you have to realize that there is a balance that needs to be maintained. Otherwise, uh, there, there could be some serious mental repercussions and physical repercussions down the road. Yeah. Look, the, the, the fear of failure is really something that drives me hard, um, but I also embrace failure as well. And, and when it happens, I can, I can, bounce back from it, but I definitely throw myself into things. So when it, when it hurts, it hurts you know, or doesn't work out the way you want, or you can't close that funding round or you lose a big customer. Um, I'm really invested in it. And therefore, you know, I will have worked hard, really, really hard and been very passionate about landing that particular um, thing. And um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll naturally hurt when, when things fall over. And I think, who's going to be there for you when that happens. And it's, it is always your, for me, it is, it's always my family. It's always my partner. It's always, you know, my folks, my siblings, um, my close mates, and you can't just be there. You can't just go to them whenever you feel like it, when things are tough, you know, you also have to reciprocate. And part of that is making sure that you invest in, um, you make it just as important as you work in my opinion. No, that's definitely sound advice. And, and, uh, more and more people are realizing that, um, thankfully, uh, I want to touch on something that you touched on just earlier. Um, I think it's kind of your, your new mantra is, is defining your why. Yeah. Want to tell us about that and, and what does that mean to you and, and how you carry that forward to the people that uh, you connect with? Yeah, I think it's what I want to, what I want to be known for and, and what I want to hold myself out there to be. Um, I, I really feel like, as I've tried to define my why. And the reason why I asked that is because it, it does help me understand um, how I share with people where I'm going and what I do and why I do what I do. And I think that's really good because it, it's sort of like a street sign on my head of, of like, if people come towards me, they know what, which, which direction they're sort of going for if they, uh, if they have a chat with me. Um, and I, I've, th there's sort of three things that really matter to me are justice, fairness, and, um, helping other people have success and the the it, it's there's sort of the interesting qualities when you think about business because a lot of the time it's not always like it's for, for a lot of people it's not always about that um, but for me I realized that I can do a lot in business to make those things happen and whether that's to employee compensation to whether people get equity whether that's to um, you know promotions whether that's to how we deal with um, our partners, um, who we are in the community. There are so many places that those things can show up. And, you know, I want to make sure that I, um, I bring those to the front of my conversations with people. So um, when I think about um, especially helping other people, it's, it's, it's been great to sort of be a mentor as well to other just other entrepreneurs and other um, people who work in the startup community and at, at other levels in the not-for-profit not sector um, with friends and family. 
to just step in and help out where I think I can help out. And and because I do love it. it, it fills me up when I see people have a win, you know. Um, and, something that transcends yeah. just entrepreneurship. Like this, this is something that you can apply to all aspects of your life, defining your why. Why are you doing this? Why is it important to you? Yeah, and it, and it helps me it helps me realize when I'm not aligned with other people, you know, and, and um, if I don't feel something's fair, then I can say something and I can hope to see some sort of change. And if I don't, I think one of the good things that entrepreneurship and being a, you know, um, an investor, you've got the option to not have to do what you don't agree with. And, um, and that's either vote with your feet or vote, vote with the checkbook um, or vote with your voice, you know, and uh, it can make, a, it can have a, a meaningful impact. And I, and I realize that's not always open to, to everyone, uh, what I just, what I just outlined, but you know, you, I do think about where it is, how I want to change the world and how I want to be a better, better human and better person to other people. Um, yeah. So the least we should be asking from anybody is, is, Please be a better person. <laughs> yeah. Person world. And, um, and, and what's fair to me and what's fair to somebody else might be completely different. I think it's just, does it feel equitable? And if, because what it really drives is like accountability and um, alignment, you know, and when you step into a, into a partnership with people, you want to feel like, well, if you're getting this, what are they getting? And if X happens and Y happens, and if, you give too much and somebody else is not tipping, you know, tipping in the same amount. It's often where you, you start to get misalignment and you can feel things feel like they're not fair and it's not equitable. It's not just. Um, and I think that's a real, that's a really interesting thing for, for first time entrepreneurs and second time entrepreneurs to think about when they step into, um, you know, the world of raising capital and, and taking things from other people. And it's just trying to figure out, you might feel really good about it now, but, what would happen in three years time or five years time when things shift, how will you feel? Um, and I think everyone in the entrepreneur world can talk to that tension at some stage. Yeah. Well, that's, that's definitely one of the common themes through, through a lot of these conversations that we've had in founder journeys is entrepreneurs raise that question of, do you really need to take venture? And, and I think a lot of the entrepreneurs and first time founders that are listening and, and watching, they, probably don't think about it as deeply as the founders that we've talked to in the series have because they've lived it and they realize that maybe venture wasn't the right decision or I wish I hadn't taken it or, or I'm happy that I didn't take it because I've got these more freedoms or um, I wish I had taken it because I would have been able to grow X times faster or, or mitigated these issues. And so it's not an easy clear cut decision, but no. And it's, it's all about the risk. It's all about the risk curve and where you are on it um, in terms of how advanced your business and your product is. And somebody, for you to accelerate it and get it forward and be able to hire, hire people um, and, you know, have good marketing spend to get that product out there. If you have a lot more capital to do that, it can be a lot more advantageous for you. But someone, someone is also cutting a check and taking a risk that that, that it plays out the way that everyone hopes it does. And so I think what can happen is people, you know, if you take a, if you take a check early on, it can sometimes, it can feel great, but later on you might be like, I shouldn't have done that wrong decision. Don't hear from those guys anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, but hang on. They helped you out at a really, really risky time. And they got, yes, they got rewarded for it, 
you weren't able, you wouldn't have been able to achieve what you've achieved if you hadn't have, if you hadn't have taken that money. So yeah, with experience and with hindsight, of course you learn. It's just, you got to do what in the moment, speak to other people, get their perspective, but you have to work out what's right for you. And, and ultimately, you know, you have to live by that. Yeah. And even the most seasoned and experienced entrepreneurs come to situations where they're forced to make decisions that they they're not happy about making but they have to because it's for the best interest of the company or it's the only option that's available for them to totally Totally. awesome alex i really appreciate you taking the time we're gonna quickly start to wrap this up here no worries i got two last questions for you the first one is what is one app or tool that uh, you have found instrumental in your journey as a founder um being organized is really paramount. So I, I, if I can have, I've used different apps at different times, but it's very, they're very basic, but like great note, note taking tools. Like even I use an Apple um, phone, but it's so basic, but like calendars and notes and reminders are just like critical for just staying on top of stuff. Um, so even into the world of, I originally used a platform called Kanbanary, um, which is on Kanban theory of like basically, you know, project management. Um, currently using monday.com as well to help me manage our, our workflow with business. Um, but really it just helps me main, maintain my priorities. All of the things I'm talking about main, maintain, my, maintain my priorities and helps us just focus on the most important thing at the time. And how yeah, do we- it was Monday at launch, we were actually using it back before it, <laughs> it uh, changed our name to Monday. So we've been active users of it for quite a while, but uh, yeah, definitely staying organized is, is key. Uh, there's so many things that come flying at you as an entrepreneur, things that you anticipate, but also a lot of things that you don't anticipate. And so you definitely need to be organized to um, weather the storm. Correct. Um, speaking about weathering the storm, what, uh, what would you say is your parting bits of advice for our entrepreneurs and our listeners? Um, keep in mind, some of our entrepreneurs are, are new and young and, yep. and first-time entrepreneurs. We have others that are seasoned. Uh, we have entrepreneurs all different parts of the world. You, an international entrepreneur, come from Australia, now in Canada. What, what are some last bits of advice for being an entrepreneur, being a founder in today's world? Great question. I think really think about your blind spots and the things that are uncomfortable for you that you don't want to address. And that can be most of the time talking to customers or getting feedback from users or, you know, how do you get real market data? And I feel so often people have great ideas and they, they believe it. They sit in their own vacuum. They think this will work. A few friends have liked it. Get out there and try to get validation as to will this work? It's a whole process, but it's not three phone calls to friends. It's 300 or 500 cold calls to um people that have worked in that industry before to give you a sense of a you know is it a good idea or not and get tons and tons of data i think my biggest my biggest regret is i didn't you know i didn't know how to do that at the start and i wish that if, if somebody had told me you know how how hard you have to work on the bd and the and the customer discovery part um it would have really changed my whole experience and i would have figured out early on that there was a different way to run, to run care review than the way that I was running it. Well, it's definitely sound advice. But people hear me say it all the time, get out of your bubble, right? You're, yep. you're, you're safe in your bubble when you're talking to people that you know, but 
you don't really get the true picture until you start talking to people outside of your bubble. Correct. And yeah, what would an unbiased person do? Would they use this product or not? And most importantly, would they pay for it? Yeah, that that's the most important thing. It is. Well, yeah. Totally. Don't, don't do it for free. Um, <laughs> so your, your business is not charity, right? Exactly. Exactly. So unless you want to, you can be a charity, but uh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, how do you usually, usually if it's profitable, if it's generating revenue, it allows you to have choices of how you can get market share and how you can compete because your competitors are all going to have resources. Um, and it's just, yeah, you need to, you need to figure out how you get paying customers and how you differentiate what is the customer's purchasing decision and, um, and really think, think hard about how much data you get. And the last thing I'd say that's easy for me to say, how you actually do that is probably another conversation, but I know, Ray and Ray's network um, is certainly one that, you know, there's plenty of books out there that Ray can probably suggest as to, you know, Lean Startup, um, Ash, Moroy, sure. yep. yeah, um, Running Lean, I think it is. Uh, uh, lean. Lean, lean Startup, yep. Yeah. Uh, really talks to that Lean Canvas, you know, getting those those nine or 10 boxes addressed on a, on a single piece of paper, like think about exactly all those things on that page. Yep. We actually have our own course, uh, launch course, so launch your startup, launch your business, launch your vision, launch your dream. Uh, check out our course. There's links in our link in bio. Uh, and Alex, you, you've been awesome. We love uh, the conversation that we've uh, been able to share today. Hopefully our <laughs> listeners and our viewers uh, are appreciating as much as we do. And uh, we've got to the point in our conversation now where you've given so much to our audience. Uh, here's a chance for you to be the entrepreneur, the founder, and, and ask for something in return. What's your call to action? Uh, it's a great question. I think get connected. If you want to connect with me, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm happy to help you. Um, I think the world is, uh, you know, so many people have helped me out on my journey. I'm definitely happy to, happy to help other people out. Um, usually it can be, you know, it could be someone in my network I can introduce you to, or, um, yeah, simply I might be able to help you field a question. And obviously that ticks a big box for me in terms of being able to help other people and help them succeed. So, don't hesitate to uh, to connect Alex Benjamin. Um, I'm on Twitter and, and LinkedIn and uh, love to help you guys out if I can. I know that's kind of almost the mirror of what you asked me, but it is it is certainly uh, one way I think that, you know, would help me, you know, feel great about all the help that I've had. I'd love to pay it forward and help others. No, that's again, one of the common traits of our founders and entrepreneurs uh, is, is the willingness to connect and wanting to connect. Alex, really appreciate you taking the time today and, um, uh, look forward to having more deeper conversations as we uh, move forward. Thanks, awesome, Mike. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much, everyone. See ya. Thanks, everyone. Launch Ventures is for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Founder Journeys, please like, share, follow, and check out our LinkedIn bio for all the other good stuff.